Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, well, do you know what? We're going to carry on today with the, the new normal, the kingdom. We're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, well, what Pastor Carl was just saying, actually. I really loved this last week when, when he was saying, you know what? There is a new normal, but the new normal, it's not kind of what we're coming into post-COVID. The new normal is something that Jesus brought and introduced 2,000 years ago, and it's the kingdom. Yeah. That's so good, eh? So we started the year. Uh, if you haven't, I would strongly suggest that you go back and you read, like, the, or you listen to or watch, look at the notes for the last sermon of 2019 and the first one of 2020. I mean, we started with see yourself here. We started with vision. And Pastor Carl talked about Isaiah 43, verse 19, right? It says, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And that's the challenge, isn't it? That was the prophet Isaiah speaking like hundreds of years before Jesus came. Jesus was the new thing that was coming. Behold, I do a new thing. Here comes Jesus. And now the challenge is for us to perceive it and bring that into manifestation in fresh expressions in every generation. So that's still the challenge for us today is to perceive the new thing that already happened. And it's the kingdom. Jesus brought a kingdom. So it's really, really good. The kingdom was actually the message of Jesus. It was the main thing that he was all about. Now, Pastor Carl talked last week, again, it was a fire hose, as he said. It was a fire hose. It was so much information. And he talked about how in a kingdom there's a ruler, there's a realm, and there's rules. There's some, some, some things that are just common to kingdoms. And uh, obviously, every kingdom has a ruler. I mean, in a democracy, it's supposed to be the people, right? But we have a hard time understanding kind of what kingdom's all about because we just are so far removed from that, that kind of system of government. I mean, we've got Queen Elizabeth, but she's just kind of a figurehead, right? She doesn't really have any, any real authority. So we, uh, when we talk about kingdom, we're introducing something that would have been very common for them to know back then. A little bit tricky for us today, but we have a king. Yeah. We really do. There is a king, Jesus. King Jesus is on the throne. Now, if you've been tuning in lately on uh, any type of Christian, uh, I don't know, television or internet or something, you will have been familiar. You've probably heard this phrase right now, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Right. Right? That, that's pretty common, right? And I think that uh, given the plethora of stuff that's out there, there is consensus amongst most Christians that whatever's happening, whether it's God or whether it's the devil, whatever's going on, the whole earth is going through a shaking. Right. Things are being shaken. And the Bible says that whatever can be shaken will be shaken, right. but we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. There's a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and we're receiving it. Now, I think that this is why Jesus, he, uh, he spent so much time with the, uh, like, like, focused, if you think about this, a focused 40-day session with his apostles and his disciples about kingdom. He spent 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension because he knew, you know what, guys? You're about to receive a kingdom. I've come into my kingdom. You're about to receive it. And there's, there, there's, there's a revelation about kingdom that has to be received. True. It's actually really true. Pastor, I don't know if you remember on Friday, but you said in the Zoom meeting something really profound, something I've been thinking about for a while. But we are receiving a kingdom. We've been taught how to sow, Pastor said, but not how to reap. Right. And we've been taught how to give, but not how to receive. And I think this is why this was such a big deal for Jesus. He really wanted to help them to understand how to receive. 
how to receive a kingdom that can't be shaken. Now that, that word, I'm, I'm a little rusty in my Greek, and this is all kind of off my head right now, but there's a, there's a word for receive called lambano in Greek, lambano. And it's, uh, it, it's almost, it, it's not passive. Right. It's not passive. There's a receiving that, that, that's kind of active and almost borderline aggressive. Right. There's another word. I think it's decamai or something like that. That's kind of receiving in a, in a just sit back and let something happen to you. But there's a receiving that is active, that's right. forceful, that says, right. I'm going to take this. Thayer's actually, the, the Greek commentator, uh, he says that lambano is like, you take something up, you pick it up and you pull it into yourself to take possession of it. Right. Or you pick something up like you're going to use it, like you're going to put it to application. And that's the word that Jesus used when he says, you're going to receive a kingdom. You're receiving a kingdom. It's coming. And he wanted, he spent this time laying the foundation with his disciples. You got to receive it. Same word for when he said, you're going to receive power after the, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Right. You know, there's lots of people, we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but there's a, there's a thing of reception. It's not to add a step. It's just to realize, you know what? There is a power available to me after I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I have to take it to myself, use it, and put it in my own possession and put it to use. Amen. And I think that that is the thing that God is doing in the days right now. Right. He's teaching us, and that's why kingdom's such a really big deal right now. He's teaching us how to receive a kingdom, how to receive and walk out the reality of, of our, our kingdom privileges and what that looks like. So again, in, in the Acts of the Apostles, there was 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension. He spent some time. He's like, guys, you, you're getting a kingdom here. You remember he said, be of, be of good cheer. It's your father's good pleasure to give you a kingdom to give you a kingdom, to bestow a kingdom upon you. And so he's like, hey, you know what? We're going to work this through. I'm going to teach you how to receive it because there actually is a great evil in the earth today. Right. There really is. King Solomon saw it back in his day. And it's something that's real and alive in our day, too. I mean, I think it's kind of playing itself out in, in the natural as well. I mean, we've got leaders in positions that probably aren't leaders. There's a, there's a dearth of leadership, but there's also this evil. He said evil. Evil is in like that evil TV show you don't want to watch. Just as evil as all that. Just as evil as some of the bad things going on in the world and in the news. Just as evil as all that is this. Folly is set in great dignity. The rich sit in low place. Here's the evil. I've seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. In other words, there is an evil taking place in the earth today where there's people who are uh, privileged and blessed and given royalty, who've been given a kingdom, who have high stature and position, but they're not walking in it. Right. They're failing to realize it, and therefore they're living below their station, living below their privilege, and living below what they could be manifesting, and God calls that an evil. Right. And I think that the need of the day is to realize, hey, you know what? This is the kingdom that he's given me. I know how to receive it. I know how to walk in it. And I think that actually all really starts when you get a really good, really clear picture of the king. Yes. The king sets the tone for the whole of the kingdom. When you see him, when you see his heart, when you know who he is and what he's like, that just breaks something on the inside of you. And all of a sudden you see him, you behold his glory, and it gets released out through you. It kind of gives you permission to look at him and say, wow, that's who I am too. I see myself in King Jesus, yeah. and all of a sudden, I'm free to receive the abundance of grace. I'm free to receive the free gift of righteousness, because I see myself in the King. I see myself in Him. I don't see myself kind of groveling before Him. I see the elevated privileged position He's lifted me up into, and all of a sudden, it's easy to walk in that, because I'm one with the guy who is the King. It's crazy. Yeah. So we're going to look at the King. I got three points about a king. I actually don't have that much. I'll probably find a way to make it really long, but I'll, actually I'll try not to for you guys watching at home. Three points, real simple about a king. Who is he? 
what's he like, and then how does this affect me? Because, right, we want to we receive this. We want to put this into application in our lives. We just don't want to have a little bit more information. So who is he? Well, this is my definition of a king. You won't find this in the dictionary, uh, but this is the best I came up with. The king is the supreme and sovereign ruler with ultimate, absolute, and legitimate authority backed by the actual right and the power to manifest his intent, will, and influence over the realm of his kingdom. Right. It's good to have the king. It's good to have the position, the legitimate authority to have the position, but you also got to have the power to back it up. And that's why we kind of, you know, have a hard time wrapping our heads around kings right now, probably for the better, right? We don't want to, I, I don't anyways, want to live in a, in a scenario where there's one person calling all the shots arbitrarily. But as we're going to see, we can trust the king of kings and the Lord of lords to do that because yes. of the goodness and the grace of his heart. His leadership, his rule, he's sovereign and is supreme. It's uncontested authority. Right. But so, kingdom of God, this is what a king is. I think we'll all agree. I, I thought about trying to be really clever and try and find a little way to kind of just gradually break into surprise, it's Jesus. <laughs> but uh, the cat's out of the bag. Jesus is king. Yeah. Straight up. Jesus is Lord. Yeah. He's king over the kingdom of God. Jesus. And that's on page one. <laughs> All right, so Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. That that was the confession of the early church. Right. That was what they what they were all about. I mean, the uh, the Apostle Paul, he's going into places and he's saying, "Guess what, guys? Jesus is Lord, not Caesar." Right. Very, very political. Very, political. very powerful. That's the confession that actually turned the whole world upside down. Yeah. There's a new king. Yeah. I mean, in their day and age, that would have meant something. Right. In our day and age, we're like, "That's cute." Yeah, it's cute. You know, yeah. where, where's where's Parliament Hill, right? I'll go talk to my representative. Back there, Jesus is Lord. Wow. Yeah. In that time, the the Jews and the Romans had this love hate relationship relationship going on. There's tons and tons of Jewish people popping up everywhere saying, I'm going to be the Messiah and I'm going to kick the Romans out. So the Romans are constantly having to deal with these guys. They're putting them down. They're killing them. Some of the Jewish leaders are like, yeah, this is great. Let's go. Come on. Let's start the revolt. Yeah. A lot of them, though, were like, uh, cut it out. Like, they hated it. They, they liked the fact that the Romans were in charge because the Romans kind of solidified their, their authority. And actually, if you read the Bible, you'll see, I think it's in John. It's in John somewhere. Trust me. <laughs> you can fact check me if you want. But in John, it actually says, they, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, actually, they're talking. The, the rulers are saying, man, what's happening? Everybody's going to believe him. We've got to find a way to stop him. Right. If everybody believes him, the Romans are going to come and take away our place and our nation. Right. So, I mean, the, like, people actually kind of, they, they had a vested interest in making sure that nobody said anybody but Caesar was Lord. Yeah. And here comes the apostles saying, Jesus is Lord. There's a new kingdom in town, and his name is Jesus. He's yeah. the king of kings, not yeah. Caesar. And so uh, Paul, he's running in everywhere. He's saying, you know what, Jesus is Lord. He's going to Rome. Jesus is Lord. He's going to Antioch. He's going to places with this confession. Now look at this. This is what he says to Timothy. He said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So in other words, you laid hold of eternal life right. and a calling was activated in your life when you made your good confession. So what's the good confession? He goes on, he says, In the sight of God, who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession... I charge you before Jesus that you keep this command without spot, blame, or, or without blame until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus made a good confession. Paul said to Timothy, you made a good confession. And when you made that good confession, you apprehended life. Your calling was activated. Just like Jesus, Jesus made a good confession too. So what was it? 
Well, remember, he's before Pilate. He's been arrested. He's being tortured. He's being tried. They take him to Pilate. Pilate says to him, look, are, are you really a king? And Jesus said, I am a king. Yeah. I am a king. Yeah. For this reason, for this cause, I was born. Yeah. For this cause, I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Jesus' confession, Jesus' good confession was, I am the king. Amen. Not even, not even before he says, you know what, I'm the savior of the whole world. I'm the king. Yes. Your salvation is a consequence of the fact that he's the king. Right. Straight up, he's the king and he is the Lord. So he makes this confession. That's the same confession that Timothy made. The confession Timothy made that apprehended life, that activated his calling. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Like I said, this is the message that the apostles are running all around that part of the world saying and telling to anybody who'd listen. And you can see it at Pentecost. Holy Spirit gets poured out. The people are like, wow, what's going on? And part of Peter's sermon, and I would argue probably the, the, the crescendo of it, the, the main point of it, he says, therefore, everything that's happened, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, all of my explanation, all of the stuff that I'm explicating to you based on the Old Testament, yeah. let the whole of Israel know this assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, yeah. whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Yeah. This guy that yeah. you guys hung on a tree... Yeah. And this guy that you killed, this guy that you thought was just a criminal and a nobody, maybe he disappointed you. Maybe he didn't do all the stuff you thought he was going to do in the triumphal entry. Maybe he didn't show up like King David and, and kick the Romans' butts or something. Maybe this guy who's just so embarrassing because of his weakness on the cross. But this guy, let me assure you, he says, this guy, this guy is this Lord guy. and this guy is hey. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of a tickle. <laughs> used to doing this quietly, like talking back and forth. <clears throat> so this guy, this guy who you crucified, he's Lord and he's Christ. Now look at this, Psalm chapter 2, verse 6. Honestly, I think if you want to understand the dialogue of God right now to the nations, right. if you want to understand what he's saying and thinking and what his word is to the rulers of the world, I think you can find it in Psalm chapter 110. I think you can find it in Psalm chapter 2. But Jesus says, God says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill. And they quote this in Acts chapter 4. Otherwise, there's this dialogue going on. The nations, the rulers are conspiring against the Lord and against his anointed. And ultimately, they put him to death. But it says that the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. He sends them in derision with his word. And he says, you know what? I have set my king yes. on my holy hill of Zion. Zion. Yes, I've Lord. set my king. Come on. His king is Jesus. Yes. <clears throat> he didn't get voted in. That's right. He never will. No. He can't be voted in. You know what? If you vote somebody in, you know what happens? The voters are the ones who in charge. Right. They're the ones with the power. No, that's, that's not how this happens. That's not how this works. God set his king on his holy hill. Man, the resurrected, man. ascended Jesus takes his seat at the right hand of the Father, set on his holy hill. This is the main point of the New Testament. Mark chapter 16, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, Ephesians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 3, Hebrews 1, 8, 10, 12, 1 Peter, Revelation chapter 3. All these things, all these are verses that say that he is set at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus is the one who occupies that place of power Amen. and that place of authority. Yes, Jesus you. is God's king by God's doing. Yes. By God's doing. See, you, you don't make Jesus Lord of your life. You recognize that he is. he is. He is the king. We don't make him Lord. We don't make him king. He is the king. And he, he didn't ask anybody's permission. That's right. He doesn't need us to sign a petition. Right. He's the king. He is. And you know what? He always has been. Come on. Thank you. Psalm 90, 99 verse 1 says the Lord is king. 
Yes. Some translations say Yahweh is king. The nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. There's a shaking going on. He's the king. Yahweh is king. He's always been the king. But, now get this. We're going to talk a little bit now. What is he like? What is this king like? Uncontested authority and power. Yes. But he did not want to be the king without us. Right. Can you imagine that? He didn't want to be the king without having us as his co-regents, as his co-rulers, as kings and queens with him. How bizarre is that? I mean, you think about uh, kings and you look back in history and it's not uncommon for kings to kill their own family just to eliminate people who had a claim or a challenge on their authority and their position as king. But not Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And what he wants to do with his power, what he wants to do with his authority is share it. Right. And give it. Yes. Lift other people up to his seat with him. Not push them away. Not say, hey, you know what? No, this is me only. No, he is a king maker. Right. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. He uses his power and his authority to make other people powerful and able to exercise and wield authority. It's good. You can read about it in Philippians, actually, chapter 2. This king, this guy who's always been king. Yahweh is king. The Lord is king. Instead of hoarding it to himself, instead of fighting his enemies, pushing them off, actually the people who were very enemies in their mind, those are the very people that he says, come sit with me on my throne. Crazy. Who is this guy? It says instead, instead of doing that, this is what he did. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, it says therefore, therefore. God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. That's our king. That's what he's like. That's what he's like. He doesn't hoard the power and authority to himself. He uses it to make other people powerful. He laid aside his privileges in order to lift us up. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it talks about God having raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Remember all those verses? He raised him up and he seated him at his own right hand. You're there too. Right on. I'm there too. I'm in Jesus. I'm sitting there with him. I got a seat. I'm on the big comfy couch called the throne of God with him. Yes. Mind-boggling. Crazy. It's hard to say. It's hard to think. It's hard to fathom. It's like I didn't do anything to get that. Right. And man, if you really knew my thought world, maybe that's not a good thing. You know what I mean? But he has qualified us. He has lifted us. Part of receiving the authority, part of receiving the kingdom is getting over that kind of nonsensical thinking that says I'm not worthy and I don't deserve it and I need to qualify for it. That's why the people who reign in life are the ones who receive. Receive. Receive an abundance of grace. And you know what that looks like for me to aggressively take grace? It looks like I might see something about myself that's not cool. And I might say, you know what? I am going to choose. I'm stepping out in faith and I believe that I'm worthy to manifest God in this circumstance. I'm worthy of the blessing. I might have blown it, but somehow the blessing of God still can manifest in my life. And I choose to act that out. I choose to think on it. I choose to act like the blessing and favor of God is on my life manifesting through me, even though everything around me is saying, you stink. 
you're right. not worthy. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I choose to lambano that. I'm yeah. going to take that. I receive it. I'm going to rule in life as a king. Yeah, I'm trading up. Come on. And I am just going to receive the abundance of yeah, grace, yeah. the free gift of righteousness, and everything's going to be great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So what is he like? Wow. What is he like? He's a kingmaker. Mm-hmm. He's not a hoarder of power. He makes other people powerful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What else is he like? His power, his authority, it's uncontested. It's totally complete. Colossians chapter 2, he says, you're complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Jesus is not fighting the devil for authority or control. He's not even fighting us. That's right. He is at the highest part. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1 says, God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, not just a little bit above, far, far above, above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And every name that is named, guess what? Not only in this age, but the age to come. And he put him above all things. He put everything under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Get, get, wrap your head around this one. Yeah. His body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Yeah. The fullness of this authority, the fullness of the power, the fullness of everything that he has in himself as king, seated far above principality, power, and rule. All of that is to find expression through us. Right. Through us, right. his body that fills all things. It's so good. It's almost too good to be true. But it's true. It's so true. He's got all this authority. Nobody's questioning it. Nobody can fight it. I mean, you could, the devil can lie about it, but he can't beat him. Truth. All he can do is lie. Yeah. So he has this, all this authority. But guess what? He doesn't wield this authority like a normal king or like a king in this world would do. We've already seen that. He, he gives away his power. But watch this. Luke 22. He says, the kings of the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over people. They lord it over others. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. And the way I, I read that is the people who are in authority are the ones who are benefiting. But not so among you. On the contrary. He who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he who governs... He who exercises governing authority, let him be as one who serves. Right. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Uncontested power, uncontested ability, authority, dunamis, exousia, whatever you want to talk about. Jesus has it all, but he uses it to make us better. Yeah, that's good. To serve us. Thank you, To Lord. lift us up. You know, Peter says, you know what, don't, don't wash me. You know, get away from me. And Jesus said, you know what, unless you let me wash you, you have no part of me. We got to let Jesus get close enough. We got to let the King of Kings serve us. We got to let him dignify us and beautify us right. with his power and authority and not say, no, I'm not worthy of that. That's right. We got to lift up our eyes a little Come bit and on. begin to believe that we can actually do the things he says we can do because we're kings and priests. Right. He's made us that already and it's not got to do with your qualifying ability it really doesn't he's amongst us in his authority in his glory as one who serves john 18 36 jesus said to pilate my kingdom's not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would fight so that i would not be delivered to the jews but now my kingdom is not from here it doesn't operate like a normal kingdom it's not advanced by the same mechanisms as earthly kingdoms right. through violence through coercion through forced submission if you want to know exactly what this king is like i mean his name's jesus yeah. his authority is uncontested but you want to see what the nature of this rule what the nature of this power when it's when it's fully being exercised looks like you got to look to the cross. Yeah. There at the cross, you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords fully demonstrating his power, fully demonstrating his authority to whip, 
to absolutely beat and abolish all of his enemies. And that's what it says in Colossians, right? It is at the cross that he made a public spectacle of principalities and powers and made open triumph over them, dragging them through the streets. He demonstrated his victory. He earned his, his, his power and his authority over them at the cross. That's why at the cross, as Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, stretched out naked for everybody to see, shamed beyond belief, bearing in his own body the sins, the sickness, the curse of the whole world, Jesus on the cross, guess what it says above him on that sign? King of the Jews. King of the Jews. There is the full expression, the deepest manifestation and the most powerful picture you're ever going to see of what the lordship of Jesus Christ looks in action and what the nature of the king is on a cross, bleeding and dying and absorbing all of our sin. And it's in that act that he overcame all of his enemies, exercised all the authority of God, and won everything back and every single thing for God, for humanity. Amen. Amen. Different kind of king, eh? Right. Different kind of king. I love today we sung some songs. Say <laughs> something, George. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Right. It's the lamb. Remember John's in heaven? He's weeping. He can't, they can't find somebody to open the scrolls. It says he turned around and he looked and he, there, there was a, he heard the roar of a lion. But when he looked, he saw a lamb. Right. And the lamb who was slain, worthy is he to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I mean, that sounds like the stuff that goes to a king. Yes. Jesus is forever the lamb. And it's the lamb who sits on the throne, the lamb in the middle of the throne, if you read about it. The lamb is the source and the the, the flowing center of all of the authority and all of the power of God. So he is a different kind of king, totally different. Yes. Now, how does this affect me? How do, I, how do I receive this? How do I put this into action in my life? And in order for that, I want to I tell you a story out of the life of David. King David is a type of Jesus. Yeah. There's a lot of really good stuff you can learn out of David's life for yourself. There's a lot of good things and principles for his life. But you know what? David's life finds its ultimate meaning and the stories about him as a type and a shadow to Jesus. Yes. See, Abraham's the father of faith. uh, David is kind of like, he's kind of like to spiritual authority in the kingdom what Abraham is to faith. So when you look at David's life, you see his rise, you see his ascension, you see his rule. You're seeing a picture of Jesus and the kingdom of God. So here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Saul is the king. Uh, The people wanted a king. And so Saul's the one who's chosen, but something goes wrong. Something goes wrong in his heart. Something goes wrong in his pursuit of God. And uh, he's, he's disqualified from being king. God's kind of like, man, I'm really sorry I made this guy king. This is a bit of a disaster. And he says, you know what? I'm going to find myself a new one. So he does. He tells the prophet Samuel, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. I found a king. He's a king after my own heart. And you know what? I want you to anoint him. So Samuel takes a horn of oil. He goes, to, uh, he goes to Jesse's house. He finds David. A little bit of a story there. David didn't look like what he was supposed to look like. You know, he was kind of like, wow, not the guy that was there. He was the guy in the low job, the, the, the shepherding. Right. He, he wasn't the guy that everybody thought he would have been, kind of like Jesus. Yeah. He grew up as a tender shoot, you know? Yeah. Nobody really knew or recognized him. And when they saw him, they are like, yeah, you're nothing. Nothing special to you. Same with David. But God says, God points out David to Samuel and says, this is the guy. This is my guy. So Samuel takes a horn of oil, anoints him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. David was anointed to be king in 1 Samuel 16. Right. Years go by. Years. Things are good. Things are bad in Israel. There's a ugliness. Saul, Saul hates David, wants to kill him. Then he loves him. Then he calls him son. David calls him father, but they're trying to kill him. Like he's trying to kill him. It's, it's just ugly. 
finally, when Saul does die in 2 Samuel chapter 4, so we're talking years later, years, then the men of Judah come and they anoint David king over the house of Judah. David was already anointed king back in 1 Samuel 16. Right. These guys, though, they had a moment. They recognized, wow, okay, David might actually be the guy who's packing. Yeah. David might actually be the guy who's carrying the anointing to rule and to lead. Okay, so Judah recognizes him. Now fast forward seven years later. 2 Samuel chapter 5, there's lots of strife, there's lots of trouble going on, and the people of Israel, they come to David, and all the tribes of Israel come to him at Hebron and speak, saying, in times past, even though Samuel was the king, or even though Saul was the king, David, you're our bone, you're our flesh, in times past when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in, and the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them there before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Years later, years later they finally recognized this is the guy that God anointed to be king. This is the guy that's packing. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. But there was some stuff going on. Now watch this. Three verses later. Just three verses later, after they finally recognize this is the guy who's the king. They recognize the king. Then three verses later, David goes and conquers Jerusalem. That's a big deal. God promised the Israelites, I've got a promised land for you. I've got all this space for you. You're going to come into it. But it wasn't Moses and it wasn't Joshua who finally secured all the promises. It was David. And this, the promises, all the things that they'd been promised, the fulfillment of all the blessing of God in their life did not happen until they recognized the totality of the rule of David. 13 verses later, 2 Samuel 5.20, it says, David, Israel's fighting with the Philistines, always. They're in this perpetual deadlock. They're fighting each other. Sometimes Israel wins. Sometimes the Philistine wins. But it says in 2 Samuel 5.20, David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And in the Canaanite language, Baal-perazim means God, my breakthrough. Or the God of breakthrough. So here's the thing. This is where it happened for them. For Israel, within the life of David, when they recognized the kingship of David, when they recognized that he was the one anointed by God to lead and to govern, when they recognized that he wasn't just anointed by God to lead and to govern over Judah, over a tiny little sliver of the kingdom, over a tiny little portion, but they recognized, wow, David, you've been anointed and you're packing to rule this whole thing. That's when they entered into the fullness of their promise. That's when breakthrough happened. And I really believe that the same thing is true. This is one of the kingdom dynamics. When you recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ, when you recognize that he is the king, you recognize that he is God's anointed, God's chosen, God's ruler, king over the kingdom of God. When you recognize that fact, and when you recognize that he's not just the king over Judah, he's not just the king over my, my salvation, he's not just the king over my, my body and my health and my healing, he's not just the king over my finances, he's the king over the whole of my life. That's right. He's the oh. king over the whole of this world. The he's the Lord of everything. Yes. When I recognize that, it's like the alignment that happens inside of me when I see it, and all of a sudden I make the confession, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is king. I make the recognition, and bam, the breakthrough happens. There, when you recognize him. You're giving him the permission and the opportunity to manifest the fullness of who he is. And we know what he does when he shows up and what he looks like when he manifests because he's the king with ultimate authority. But what he brings is power. He comes into your life and he serves you. Yes. 
That's where breakthrough happens. That's where this, this thing happens. When you, when you have the oil, the anointing oil, when the eyes of our hearts are opened by the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see Jesus as king and Lord over all. When we see him and recognize him as king of kings and Lord of lords in every aspect, we're not calling for a religious kind of servile devotion, right. an extra step along the way. Right. What we're asking for is recognition. Yes. We're just we're just saying, you know what? Open your eyes. Yes. Just see the totality of the king. See the, the full scope of his rule. He's not lacking in rule or authority or power for your physical body. He's not lacking the power or the ability or the authority or the right to bless you financially, to rule over your relationships, to cast evil things out of your life. He's not lacking in any of those ways. Right. He has full authority. Yeah. And you recognize that. You speak it and you say, Jesus is Lord with this understanding, with this revelation. It looses the goodness of who he is and Come the on. full nature of his kingship into your life to set things right. Yeah. That's why he's the king of Jerusalem, yeah. the king of peace, and the king of righteousness. Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, the yeah. king who has the ability to set all things right in your life by your confession. Yeah. So Philip goes and he's preaching and he's got a message of the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God because the name and the kingdom go together. Right. That's why the confession of the early church was so powerful. Jesus is Lord. Right. That's the message that the world needs today. That's the message that our leaders need today. That's the message the apostle Paul was sent with. Yeah. Ananias, remember he was stuck. He didn't know what to do. He's like, I don't want to go talk to this guy. He's a, he's a church killer. And God's like, no, no, Ananias. Ananias, this is a chosen vessel. He has been chosen and called in order to bear my name, not just before Gentiles, but before kings. See, God had a message that he wanted taken to the leadership. He had a message he wanted proclaimed in the earth. He had a guy prepared to bring a, a proclamation and a declaration to the highest heights of right. authority in the earth. Right. And it wasn't, let me help you craft a policy. It was, Jesus is Lord. Right. There's a new kingdom on the scene. And there's a new king. Yes. And he demands the allegiance and the, the obedience of yes. all. The obedience of faith. Yes. And it's easy. When you see the nature of the king and you know what he's all about and he wants to serve you and lift you up and bless you, it's not that kind of servile submission. Right. It's that Jesus, I recognize your lordship. I recognize your ability and your heart. You have the power, but you also have the love to put me right. And it becomes really easy. Yeah. Jesus is king. Yeah. Proudly I say Jesus is king and Lord over my life. And I don't feel like that's a work. That's not an invitation to do religious works. That's an invitation for him to manifest the fullness of who he is yeah. in every aspect and area of my life and the whole place where I live. Because Jesus, whether people recognize it or not, Jesus is Lord over London. Right on. Yes, Jesus yes. is Lord over Canada. He is. He's Lord over the whole earth. Yes. And he's not going to get that way by being voted it. He already is. We need our yes. eyes open to see it, proclaim it, recognize it, and let it happen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there's a good confession. Remember, Paul said to Timothy, remember that good confession that you made in the sight of many witnesses? It's the good confession, not just because it's true and right, but also because when you make that confession, like you said, the link between the name and the kingdom, it unleashes the goodness and blessing and influence of the reign of the king. Yes. There's a good confession. Yes. Stand up if you're here. Stand up. Stay socially distanced, though. Let's stand up together. Stay physically distanced. Socially connected, physically distanced for the time being. All one in the spirit, though. All right, there's a good confession. Yes. There is a good confession. Yes, Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Come on. Come on, let's say it together. Come on, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. 
All right, you're watching online today. Maybe you're on the internet, in your home. Say it with us. Come on, say it one more time. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is King. That's true. That's the good confession. That's the good confession that we make in the sight of many witnesses. That's the confession you make that lays hold of and apprehends eternal life, activates your calling. So, I mean, if you've said that for today, for the first time, you're watching online. If you said that, I want you to go to impactlondon.ca. I want you to click the connect card. And in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to let us know what you've done today. I want you to let us know you've said today for the first time and you meant it. You realized it. You know it. Jesus is Lord. Yes. Something good is happening in your world. Some, yes. God is breaking through into your world. The promises of God are activated in your life with your confession. Jesus is king. He's my king. Let's pray, guys. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're for us. Thank you that you're not against us. I thank you there is a king. His name is Jesus. You've set him on your holy hill, and he is the one who rules and reigns. God, we bless you. We thank you. I pray, God, for everybody watching. I pray for everybody listening with an earshot right now. I ask, Father, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you would anoint our eyes with that oil of recognition to see Jesus Christ, King of King, Lord of Lords, and to see the full measure and scope and nature of his heart and the ability and the willingness that he possesses as King over all to bring the blessings and the manifestation of the breakthrough in each of our lives. So we bless you and thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.